Welcome to the Master in a Game podcast with me, your host, Drew Broughton. I was really passionate about setting up a series of conversations which I felt would offer identification, hope, strength, and a guiding light to many. Mastering your inner game is not an easy path. It's not one that's about achieving money or status. It's about constantly looking in the mirror and improving the areas of ourselves that are stopping us, prohibiting us from fulfilling who we are at a core level. In relationships, in business, in sport, in all areas of our lives. There are many tools used when trying to become the best version of ourselves. Honesty and vulnerability, two of the most powerful. To be completely authentic. If there's one thing I've learned about my journey of nearly 30 years now in professional sport and self-development, it's that being truly authentic is the key. If you feel inspired, get identification, or feel passionate about anything you've heard here in these conversations, then please reach out to me. Also, use your own social media to spread the message. The true strength, true performance, lies in honesty, authenticity, and vulnerability. Enjoy listening. Welcome to another episode of The Gift is the Curse with me, Drew Broughton. Today we're, we're sitting here uh, on, a, on a May evening close to the season's end in Richmond-upon-Thames, looking down over the Thames here. It's a beautiful setting. Um, tonight's guest uh, is someone I was introduced to back in 2012. Um, he's a young man now, but he was even younger then. Um, it was suggested at that time that I might be able to aid him and assist him at that point in his football journey, that critical part, that period of 18 to 21, that, 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 that jump between potential and, and actually fulfilment of, of talent. Raheem Sterling, the, the Manchester City forward this year, has really stepped into his own light. And, and, and what I found fascinating is he did an interview at the end of the season, talking about how between 14, 15, 16, 17, he had so much confidence. But then by 18, he, he lost it. And that jump from boy with potential into first team was, was a massive jump for him. And he eventually found it. I was discussing that with, a, with another player recently. And I don't think it was a coincidence that he's had Brendan Rodgers, who everybody knows in the game is, is a manager who's all about emotion and, 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 and uh, that emotional attachment to his players and that awareness of how important that is. And Pep Guardiola, two of the, two of the, the leaders really in that. So this, this player I'm sitting with tonight, um, it could be said he was very similar, flying up 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. And then himself, I'd say, probably hit a wall. Cameron McGeehan, would I be correct in saying that you hit that wall? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big wall. Um, you know, a lot of stuff's been spoken about recently, especially with mental health, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I think a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of pressure that's put on young players now and I think it started, you know, from a young age, where I was in the academy system from from nine all the way through to to now, uh, where I'm a professional now and uh, but yeah, like I said, it was just, you know, it, it started there, started early, uh, not sort of your your average footballer in terms of went to a good school, um, you know, I've got a decent brain behind me, I've, you know, academically done quite well and I think I think about things uh, a lot, sort of maybe over th- overthought a lot of stuff, and yeah, sort of like you said, hit a bit of a wall. 18, 19, um, won the youth cup at, at 18, and then after that, I was sort of trying to make that transition into a ma- into the men's game. It's, it's difficult. Um, well, let, let, let's just go back a little bit, Cam. I mean, when when I was introduced to you, it was five years ago, and you you know you're now what 23 years of age and, and established established 
quality footballer in the football league, and, and I think the world's your oyster in where he, where he can go. But let, let, let's go back because we are sitting in Richmond upon Thames. I can imagine we both played in the north of the country. I played in Rotherham, and you're up in there in Barnsley. I would take it, I would be called often, oh, he's a soft southerner. And I was privately school educated, a well brought up guy, I'm intelligent, I'm deep. But inside me was a, was a lion. In fact, my reputation in the lower leagues was quite apparently fearsome. But inside, you know, I was, I'd feel everything. And I can remember at a young age, now I'm 40, I can remember looking back at eight years of age, I felt a little different. I felt um, there was something in me, this relentless pursuit. Can you relate to that? Let's take you back to when you were a kid. What's your first memory of? I don't know, of feeling different, of feeling like there's this almost burden, this weight on you. Yeah, I mean, it's probably as long as I can remember, to be honest. Um, I think my dad sort of introduced me to football pretty young. He was obviously a keen football fan, uh, never quite got anywhere in the game himself, but he obviously lived, lived through me a bit in terms of that. And yeah, since I was sort of three, four, he would have chucked the ball at me, we played a lot in the garden, uh, you know, holidays, all that sort of stuff. Uh, started at school, but I just remember always you know taking it really badly if we lost or I didn't do well and cry and I've got lo loads of pictures of me just crying my eyes out after a game if not if not one or what age that I said three four five you know as, as early as I can remember I thought it's just it's, I think it's just always been inside me it's been, been there for me all, all this time you know I can really, I remember being at school and a school teacher pulling my mum I think it was seven eight years of age and if I missed a goal like I dropped to my knees and started smashing the floor with my hands my mum was quite worried it's so hard to carry that because you don't understand it, do you? You know, until what well, we uh, do we ever understand it? I mean. Yeah, well, it's funny. I've got a video of myself when I was maybe six playing for my local uh, local team uh, just down the road from where I live. I was in the same team as Luke Shaw, uh, Patrick Roberts was, was in that in that sort of team. We had a good we had a good team, but there's a, there's a there's a video of me. My dad used to film everything, so there's a video of me uh, just sprinting off, celebrating after I've scored, arm in the air, going absolutely mental at six years old. And uh, my friend put it together actually because I scored in the Youth Cup final in the last minute. I did exactly the same uh, celebration. It's got, you've got the video of, of me doing it uh, at 18 and me doing it at sort of five or six. And it's exactly the same expression, exactly the same feeling. So, like I said, that's just been that's been there for me. It's always that desire or passion for it, and it's just it's just been it's been there for me that whole time. But like you said, it, it gets knocked out of you a little bit along the way. Well, before we go into all of that, were you ever described as being intense? Can you remember being young and anyone ever calling you intense, or do you remember feeling intense, or anyone ever comment on? Yeah, anything? I think most of the time I've I've been told you're too intense. It's never like you're intense. It's great, like it's amazing. It's I've had I've had a, a few managers who who have liked me and. Uh, who, who you know is in the game now? Well, like Nathan Jones, for example, he's always said like you're the most intense, one of the most intense people I've, I've worked with, and, it, and you know he was actually complimenting me on it. Mm. But over the years, I've had like I've had people just saying uh, you're too intense, you need to stop thinking about stuff so much, you need to relax. But now I understand it's just part of me. It's who I am. Uh, it's what drives me every day. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, it's what's what's made me who I am today. But I've got an understanding around it now, and I can uh, I can appreciate that. That's just a great gift. Um, Absolutely, and this is it gives you the curse. You know, I was aware that you, having worked for you five for five years, I was aware you are one of those. And so let, let let's go back to your picked up playing football. I think you started at Fulham, is that right? Or you were between Fulham and Chelsea? Yes, yeah, so I was at Fulham. Um, signed for Fulham when I was an under nine, which is the earliest you can start mm -hmm. uh, as a as a young player. So in the academy, I started there under nines. Um, I was I was there for only one season, and um, I was with another player in the final Chilova. Uh, he's done well for himself 
uh, as well. We, we both were at Fulham. We both got transferred at, at 10 years old to Chelsea. They paid, I think, £80,000 for both of us in compensation to Fulham. Um, obviously, a big big lump of money at the time for a 10-year-old a who, who got no idea if he's going to sort of get anywhere. But I guess well, I know that Chelsea would have seen that desire and that energy that I had. Uh, did did so, you have that? How did you play back then? Eight, nine years of age, what were you about? What what was? Talk to me about when you were going to games at eight or nine. Can you remember like having nerves and really wanting to win? I think there was probably an element of just uh, fearlessness and freedom um, and you know just a real desire. I remember you used to play against big players. I think there was a lot of there's a lot of guys back then who you, you had big you had big athletes and I wasn't a big player. I was I was small. I've obviously since grown, but I was a small guy. I used to think to myself, I want to, I want to take down the biggest, biggest player on the pitch. We're playing against an Arsenal, and they've got a big, big player playing. I think I'm going to take him down. Uh, and every time, that's what I used to think. And it'd be why? Because if you uh, take him down, what? I mean, I probably, you probably can't remember. Yeah, that. I mean, I guess there's a bit of I want to be the, I want to show people or I want to prove people wrong. Or I guess there's an element of that. But at what, what age? Are you talking again? That's it's, nine, it's just yeah, nine, nine, ten. Yeah. I don't think you're looking to. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But do you think you're looking to prove anyone wrong? Probably not, no. But maybe it maybe became that over the years when I was sort of, uh, you know, getting a bit older and putting pressure on myself. But maybe, yeah, maybe nine, ten is just something. So that... you're going into games and, and, and you're sizing up the main man and saying, "I'll take care of you." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, 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 I, and I lost it along the, lost a bit of that along the way, and. Well, let, let's just stay there because yeah. we, we can go. We know yeah. we're going to go, but. So you're doing that at Fulham, and you're between Fulham and Chelsea at the time. So yeah, so no, I'm at Fulham. They buy me from Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea buy me from Fulham. Mm-hmm. So I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at Chelsea. They did, Roman Abramovich just taken over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is the head of recruitment. He's recruited me. Uh, he's obviously in charge of the academy and all that sort of stuff. So I remember they, Chelsea took me around the training ground there. Um, lovely training ground. They're just building it at Cobham. Um, they bought. I think they went out and bought like eight or nine of the young young best players in England. So we had boys coming in from Ipswich, obviously me from Fulham, Nathaniel from Fulham, Lewis Baker, uh, they bought him from Luton. So there's a group of us they bought in at Chelsea at the time, so thought of as like the best sort of six or seven players in the country because we've got this money, we're going to go and buy the best players and nurture them. Um, and I guess now looking back, they were buying that desire and that hunger that I had in me and that's, I probably showed that on the pitch by running the most, getting going around everywhere, running everywhere, tackling people, like just doing a bit of everything. I think that's probably what you'd have seen when when you watch me, I think a lot of footballers will come out and say, yeah, when I was younger, I was scoring the most goals, I was doing this, I was doing that, and that's probably right, but um, I guess, you know, if Chelsea are buying you at, at, at 10 years old, you've got to have, you've got to be showing something. Got to be so showing so something. You, were, you were showing what I, I see in you now, you, you, you're running around and you, you're being you, and you is all energy, all action, desire to, 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 to dominate the opposition. You're going through happily, nine under tens, under elevens, under twelves. When did you start to feel? Did you ever feel less than? Did you ever start to feel like the ugly duckling at Chelsea? Or, or? yeah, so you know, I started me in my game. I think back then I was sort of they pushed me back into defence. I think so I was a bit of a defender. You know, I played centre back, right back. Um, you know, I was known at the club for getting stuck in, tackling, winning the ball, uh, being that kind of hard sort of player at that that age. Obviously, it's young and. Uh, people really didn't expect it because I'm a little blonde-haired boy, not not much, but not much height, but I'm you know steely in a tackle and and yeah, I used to get remarks saying stuff like yeah, you know, you're just a tackler or you're just this or you know you. But there was a couple of coaches at Chelsea, to be fair, who were who were really good with me and they really liked it. And they saw they saw that desire. Eddie Newton was one. Uh, so I had Eddie Newton from I think it was under 11s to under 12s, mm. and he really believed in me. He he used to say you just keep the game simple. It's a simple game. 
you, you get it, you pass it, you get it, you pass it. And he used to say I was I was the only one in the team. I remember sitting there once after a game. I think we played West Ham, lost two or three nil. Uh, I think I was probably I think I was like twenty five. We used to do four periods, so four twenty five minutes. I think we used to play. I think I was I was always late because my dad would always you know get me there late and all that sort of stuff. So I've turned up twenty five minutes late, missed the first quarter. You know, I've played the last three quarters. We lo- we've lost we lost the game quite badly. But I remember sitting in the changing room after, and Eddie Newton's uh, standing there saying, "There's only one guy in this team who, who who's got what it takes that, that passes the ball simple, that does the simple things, that tackles, that wants to fight." And uh, I held myself back a little bit after you know we were showering and getting ready and stuff, and I just held myself back. So I had a, had an England. He was talking about me, and he said, "I know why you've waited because you know it's you that I'm talking about. You've got to keep doing that. You've got to keep." Uh, keep that mindset for the rest of your career and you've got a good chance. And Eddie Newton, I guess, was at the start of his coaching journey then? Yeah, Pro- I think probably. Well, Eddie Newton was a top... Well, he's, he's, I mean, as a yeah. player, we, yeah. he was a top player at Chelsea, but I guess for him, he wouldn't have stayed long at 14s, 15s. He would have moved quickly up. I remember when I left MK Dons under Paul Ince, he came in with Di Matteo. Yeah, he went So up, I guess he, he moved quickly. He wasn't around you long then, was he? No, so I had him for two years. Two years, okay. So I had him for two years. And when, when I found out the year after he was going to be the coach again, I was so happy because I was thinking, great, like got this guy again who clearly likes me, sees something in me. Uh, I had him for two years, then he, obviously he's gone on to win the Champions League. Of Chelsea. He was an assistant manager for oh, Chelsea course, when they won the yeah, Champions League. First, yeah. um, and, you know, like, I haven't really kept in contact with him, but I always remember his words and what he used to say. And um, But I guess over the years, then I had another coach after that. Um, I, won't, I won't say his name, but, like, you know, no. wasn't wasn't as good, wasn't as... It was more about... I think Chelsea got a bit lost at some, at some stage where it was a bit like, let's just go for players who are really technical, let's get all these boys in from... Ajax and you know European countries and uh, they maybe lost a bit of that sort of John Terry Frank Lampard they're obviously they're very good players but they're also the essence yeah, yeah heart desire yeah, fight exactly and that's probably possibly why you haven't got loads of boys going through the Chelsea Chelsea first team straight into the team through the academy because I guess they lost a bit of that and it was it was it was coached out of me when I was sort of 12 13 after I lost sort of left Eddie Newton um, do you remember do you, do you remember, do you remember I remember driving home from training. Do you remember evenings at home, I don't know, reflecting and thinking, I'm not good enough, or, or I'm an ugly player, or, or I'm not. Yeah, it used to, it used to embarrass me. It used to embarrass me. So that's how I used to feel. I used to feel like, no, I don't want to be that guy who just gets stuck in and just tackles and just does this and just just runs and just tackles. I want to be getting on the ball. I want to be curling it in the top corner. And I guess my dad was guilty of that sometimes as well, saying, oh, you got to, you've got to do more. You got, you got, yeah. you got to score. You got to. You got to add stuff to your game. You got to dribble. You got to run. You got to dip, dip and dive, players. And and I, I'm not. That's not my game. I'm good at. I'm. Got, I've got gifts from God, which are. Mm-hmm. You know that. That's not. That's not my game. But, but you could say that about Frank Lampard. He's not going to get it and dribble and, and drive. And but he's going to. You know, he's going to give it desire. He's going to give it heart. And he's going to. Going to perform. And, and that's my game. And I think he obviously had Jose Mourinho at the start of Mourinho's incredible spell when, when he probably did keep it simple for those players and say, look, Frank, you know you. you you can be amazing at what you do if you keep it simple. And So I'm just picturing you. So you're going through that journey, you're 13, 14, already, already that confusion starting. Well, do I fit in? Is this the way? I need to be more than I am. Already that more than I am. Yeah, I think the thing, the thing with it, Chelsea as well, it's like you've got guys overlooking it, like academy managers and, and people like that. And they, they, might not have played, they might not have played the game or they might not, they might not quite see that sort of side of what, what, I, what, what I was or seen the... But you know that, that's actually positive. That's actually what you need mm. to make it as a player. Because Eddie Newton obviously was a top was a was a top player at Chelsea. Mm. He, he saw it. He knew it. Had another coach, Frank O'Brien, old school kind of guy, really good. Believed in me as well. Really sort of saw what I was and took me there. Maybe captain. I was captain 14, 15. He was he was really good as well. He like 
he kept instilling that belief in me that that was the right way to go. You know, talking about John Terry, talking about those guys because he's seen it. He's old school, but I think they get. You know, I said not blaming them because it's just just how it is. But uh, yeah, I think I lost a bit of that. I lost a bit of that along the way because you know I think I think you're looking at players who are technically really good and gifted, and you think, oh, I need to be like that to play for Chelsea yeah. because that, that's what they are. I think um, so, so. So you go through the ranks at Chelsea, and then at 16 you you leave and you, you join Norwich City. What what was why and what and what happened then? I think there was a couple of lads at Chelsea who got contracts, uh, got scholarships early. Um, I think I was might been captain of the under 15s at the time. And I went in to see the academy manager, Neil Bath, and he was great with me, to be fair. He said, you know, we've got Andy King, uh, who was at Chelsea. He's gone off and had an amazing career uh, at Leicester. And, and he, didn't, he wasn't good enough to play for Chelsea at 15, 16. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't think he was going to make it all the way. So he said, I'll give you a scholarship right now and we'd happily have you. But I don't think it's going to, it's going to happen for you here. Um, so to be fair, I, I went off, did, did my little, did uh, about four or five different trials at different clubs, Southampton, Ipswich, Norwich. Uh, I wanted to go down the, ro- the route of going to a lower league club, and uh, you know trying to break in the first team early there. So the, those clubs were all in League One at the time. I think Ipswich might have been in the Championship, but Southampton and Norwich were certainly in in League One. Oh, so. Norwich in League One at that time. Yeah, yeah Norwich yeah, okay, were in League okay, One. Okay, yeah. So I went to Norwich, but ironically they got back-to-back promotions. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah. kind of killed the plan. But but no, it was it was uh, so I went on trial at these different clubs. Chelsea were actually amazing with me. They let me stay and train. Um, Ad Vibash was there at the time. He was very good with me, saying, "You know, stay and train. If you keep training like that, you can you can stay here anytime, anytime you want." Because only 15 minutes down the road from me, so mm. I was training at Chelsea once a week, and then I was going up to Norwich from the train, uh, training up there, obviously playing matches there under 16. So I was there from sort of under 16s up until. So then you you leave home and you you make that jump. You leave school and you, and you go. You go for it. Your chips are in, and you, you know you're then on that two year journey to to becoming a professional. Yeah, well, to be fair, my, my dad was great with me as well. Um, so I'm sort of 15, 16, just been told by Chelsea, you're not going to make it here. It's my dream, it's my bubble that I was living in, that I was always going to be be playing for Chelsea. Um, and suddenly I, I walked in one day and they've said, no, you're not you're not good enough. You're not. It's not going to happen for you here. And it's tough. Like I didn't have didn't have anyone. My dad was my supporter and that was it. Everyone else was sort of Chelsea. You know, everyone was at Chelsea and you trust them and you believe them and you think they're going to do everything for you but that's just not the reality of how it works in football so my dad was great he got hold of all these clubs uh, kept me motivated kept me you know kept me on it as well but obviously I was I never gave up at one at any point that I think oh, I need to I need to stop playing now um, do, 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 do it just triggered something just, you know, about your dad being that support network for you that period and I thought about all the young lads who don't have that I always thought it was the responsibility of that coaching staff to really map that journey out more than the technical aspects, more than to give you the technique and give you the tactical awareness is, is actually show you what real life's like early 13, 14. Look guys, Cameron, if, if you want to make it, it's going to be tough every year. You're going to have to go through pain physically, emotionally, keep digging in, keep the basic, you know, that kind of chat. Did you ever really, apart from Eddie Newton, did, did, was that ever there? That real instilling of what the next, Five years, ten years look like. No, I don't. I don't. You know, I never thought. No, it was never really there for you. I don't know if it's different now because obviously mm. it's a few years ago. But um, yeah, you're not really getting those conversations. You're not really. You're not really aware of it though. You're in the bubble of Chelsea, and, and all you think is, I'm going to play for Chelsea. But do you not think this is my thing? I, I, you know, you know the job I do today, and beyond yourself, and looking after players, some of them at top clubs. Is it not the Is that not the fundamental responsibility of a coach? When I coached in an academy and I walked away from that system seven years ago because I, I was very disillusioned with seeing this next generation. I could only affect these boys for a year and I knew when they left me 
like any mutant, I guess they were going to go into, you know, and I, the conversations I was having with them four nights a week when it was just me and them in a room or on the grass, sitting there on the AstroTurf, was about life, about what it's going to take for them. And about, I'm sorry if I'm hard on you guys, but it's going to be tough and, and keep the basics strong and keep, you know. Yeah, no. Is that not the responsibility? Well, I took that as a main, my major role. I think I think that is. A, to be fair, I think I had guys guys there, coaches there, like Frank Brown, like I said, he's still there now. Mm-hmm. He, He's ringing me and saying, "Don't give up on it. Keep Amazing. going. Keep, you know, keep trying. Keep going. You, you, you got, you got something. You got to keep going for it." I don't think he was doing that for everyone. I think he, no. he genuinely believed in it. it. Um, and you know, the guys at Chelsea were good. They did sort of put in, put my name about, and would have given me good references. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like obviously there's not a big, there's not a great support network, and I feel for those guys, those young guys who get their, have their dream shattered, at, and they don't have the support of a parent or like a club or someone who's going to say, "Just keep going," or "Let's let's do this. Let's do that." And all, I'm going to go back to it, but also yeah, the support, I, I absolutely agree, but also the mapping out, isn't it? I call it the mapping out of the career. Yeah. The, this is what it's going to look like, guys. Even though you're 12, this game is tough. And, and, you know. yeah, I was going to say, like, we're, we're in a bubble, like, for sure. I was in a bubble at Chelsea all the way through. Uh, you think, you, I genuinely thought, I'm going to just keep going and I'm going to get in Chelsea's first. But that's not your fault. No, that's just that's just how I guess it's how how it is there. Like I think that's what everyone thinks. And there's a lot of guys who struggle when they come away from a top academy like that, and they come out of the bubble and they're suddenly like, we haven't got the great facilities anymore. We haven't got we don't get two pairs, three pairs of boots given to us. We haven't got this amazing food. We're not getting money every time we come. The petrol. Uh, you get you go to these places like Norwich, Ipswich. They've sort of developed now, but they're not. It's, it's completely different. You, 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 you're thrown in there and you think, oh, this is. But, but here's the thing, and, and, and I'm going to be too controversial or not. I remember working with a young player at 17, 18 when I started working with him at one of the top four clubs and I actually asked him, you know what, you've been here since 14, yet you don't know what this game looks like and you're here at 18. Why couldn't they have that conversation at 13? I'm then drafting as, in a, as an outsider and we'll go into that in the second part of this about how I fell into my role and what we do. But, you know, it's almost like I, I'm having to take him back to four and re-educate and say, you know, well, you stopped at 14 and said, no, 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 that, that's that's not. And he was like, no, no. I think the first conversation I had on that one was when Neil Bath was talking to me about Andy King. And he was saying, Andy King's been released 15, 16. He's gone off. He's He's gone and got himself a career at Leicester. He's gone and now he's playing in the Premier League again. And mm. I think he got called up for England at one point. I think he said, I think he named Jack Cork as well. I had a similar sort of thing happen to him. Wasn't playing, went off and... Uh, that was probably the first time at 15, 16, I remember, remember thinking about it. That potentially gave me the idea to think, right, Let's go to the lower leagues, League One, uh, and let's try and get in there. Let's try and get in that way. But at the time, I also thought, I'll just go to League One because I'm from Chelsea. I'll go there. I'll be the best <laughs> player. I'll get a pro contract. I'll get in the first team straight away. Like And disrespecting completely what that level it looks like and how good the players are at that level and how good the infrastructure is. I'll touch on it quickly as well. When I went from Norwich on loan to Luton, that was at 18, 19 for the first time. I... Uh, I was going to the conference, not having a clue what that was going to be like. But let's let's move into that. I don't want to skip that yeah. Norwich period. No, yeah. So you're now at Norwich. You're now you're on the journey. You're 16 to 18, and you know you've got to. This is the time you've got to. This yeah. is where you earn the right to be a professional. Well, yeah, I was excited. I moved up. Uh, you know, I was happy to move away from my family. Uh, you know, three four hours up the road uh, in Norwich in Diggs. Um, you know, it was, it was a scholarship. Like you said, it's make or break. You've got to go and get yourself a professional contract and get yourself a career. I was giving up the a good school and had good grades in my GCSEs. Mom and dad made sure I got good grades. Uh, so I had that to sort of fall back on. But I went out there just fully believing that I've got two years to uh, you know, put everything I've got into it. And uh, 
you know, I had that mindset of I'm going to work hard every day, I'm going to push myself every day. One of the coaches I had there said to me, um, just don't make sure you don't get a wash bag because you've got a lot of wash bag culture at, at uh, yeah, scholarships. Wash and, bag pros. Yeah, yeah wash bag pro. You, <laughs> you come in with your wash bag, happy, you think, oh, I'm a footballer. Uh, you're on a hundred quid a week, and you know you're playing sort of games every week. You think you, you think you're a footballer. You think you sort of you think you're Billy Big Time suddenly. Um, so I was very aware of that, and I was aware that I was going to have to work hard every day, and um, I certainly did that. And you know we had the Youth Cup. Uh, so that was in your second year. You had the run in the FA Youth Cup yeah. when you when you ended up winning the FA Youth Cup against Chelsea over two legs, which is no mean feat. I think if we looked in the last ten years, how many times have Chelsea won it in the last ten years? I think it was sort of four out of five. I think and we were the we were the one that beat them. Yeah, yeah. beat them. And I know you played a starring role throughout that run, but certainly in the two-legged final, we scored home and away. Yeah, I mean, I was captain of that team. We had a good, we had a great team. We got two Murphy twins who, you know, both playing in the Premier League at the minute. Um, you know, we had some really good players all throughout. Neil Adams was our manager. Then went on to manage Norwich's first team. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was ironic to be playing against Chelsea in the final. And and yeah, for sure. Then I was thinking, I've got on a on a prove these guys wrong. I'm playing against some of these guys. Got contracts instead of me. I've got managers. They're still in charge. Who said no to me? But obviously weren't weren't having me. Um, and to go to beat them at home and then to beat them away as well, uh, and, and sort of lift the cup was just obviously it was a great feeling. Obviously, uh, it felt like a bit of um, you know a bit of payback as well. So you've won the youth cup. You finished April May time the final. You finished for the summer. Now you're coming back as a professional. Yeah, I've, yeah, sort of come back. I think Norwich offered me a you know. Uh, a pro contract because Hewitt was a manager at the time. Um, yeah, I've gone back to Norwich uh, after the back off the back of the Youth Cup, thinking I've got a chance now to maybe get in the first team. Maybe they'll push a few of us through, and that was my mindset. I thought I can, can get in this first team. Now I think Norwich were in the Prem at the time, um, and so I genuinely. Thought, and were there any conversations had to you after the Youth Cup about what the club saw for you? No, Nor- Norwich offered me. I think they offered me sort of. 200, 250 quid a week on a one-year contract. That's my first wage there as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously I knew what lads were getting at other clubs, and yeah, I just felt di- felt sort of disrespected. I think they did it to a few of the lads, and you just thought, you just won the youth cup. Like it's, it's, I've just done an amazing thing. It was the first time in years that they'd done it. Uh, it was on national TV. It was great for the club, and it was a good chance to sort of now push us through. But it, it sort of had the opposite effect. It kind of made you think, well, do you even want me, or you do, do you even rate me? It's like just. Yeah, off, off me this contract. Then I'm back up, back up to Norwich. I'm in the reserves. Uh, it's so hard to. Well, you're in that jump. Then you're now in that. You're now in that chasm almost that, that the football world talks about week in, week out. You know that fallout between 18 and 21. You're in. You're in there. Like you say, you're in the reserves. You're on 250 quid a week. You're clearing 700 quid a month after tax. Yeah, I think. And then <coughs> sort of the mindset changes, and I realised pretty quickly that I wasn't anywhere near the first team plans. Um, it was a case of. Uh, I need to get out on loan. I need to play first team football, and uh, I understood that. I understood that that was what I needed to do, and I was really wanted to. And I just remember thinking every week I need to get out on loan. If I don't get out on loan, like I'm never going to prove myself to people. I'm never going to get a career. Um, I think I had to wait till January that that season, and I got a call from Luton, and they're in the conference at the time. Um, and I remember thinking, blimey, the conference! I didn't really want to go and do that non-league. Yeah. Like that's not. I wasn't. I'm better than that. I just yeah. want the youth cup. Why is why, why is my phone not ringing? Like, I thought my phone was going to be. You got League One clubs. You got maybe some Championship clubs. That's what I genuinely thought because, like you said, it's it just wasn't explained to me what no. what it was like. I hadn't even seen a League Two, League One game, let alone a conference game. Um, so yeah, I went on loan to a conference uh, to Luton in, in January. I think they were second at the time, uh, pushing for promotion. Uh, John still was a manager, um, and I went there for my first game. I was sitting in the changing room with Luke Guthridge, 
and uh, I said to him, "Can hear the, the, the crowd of the stadium at Luton is amazing. They had sort of seven, eight thousand there every week, even in the conference. Massive club." And I remember turning to Luke Gatton and thinking, "I said to him, what, uh, what's it going to be like today? Like, cause I had no idea. This is ten minutes before the game. He said, honestly, mate, don't worry. Like, you'll be fine. Just go and play your game. You, you'll be good. And you know, I went out, did really well, won three nil. Um, and yeah, we kicked on from there. We, we ended up getting promoted, but." Uh, I just remember just yeah being pretty scared, pretty nervous going up there and thinking like what am I letting myself in for here? I think it was about the time we got introduced, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was just about around then. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, you know and, and yeah, I think um, you know I was introduced to by, by a mutual friend and it was very much I think I could help you potentially. You were, I remember the first time I talked to you, we were um, you know I was very aware that I came away thinking wow I can relate to him a lot. There's a depth, sensitivity, but I could see the desire of fighting you. There was, the, you know, you're very clear and that, that steeliness in your eyes about where you wanted to go. And I, and, and I could just sense you, you were very sensitive and put that pressure on yourself. I remember the first time I came to watch you independently, I said, let me come and watch. And I'll never forget, it was a pre-season game against Walsall. And um, I remember seeing you continually break into the box, like pick these little areas up, these pockets between centre forwards and arrive in the box. But I also see saw someone who looked like they were towing a caravan, and, and I, I could really relate to that. And I don't mean that you were overweight. I don't mean you were pre-season. You just trained for eight weeks. I mean you were you were pulling this caravan of feelings and thoughts. I need to do this. Got to do this. Can't fail. Season starts next year. You know, it's relentless chat. Yeah, it's massive. Um, <coughs> yeah, I remember the game. I felt you know heavy, nervous. It was a week. Like I said it was a week before the first game of the season I was in the team normally the Saturday before the season starts that's the sort of team that's going to start the season and I thought I need to I want to, I want to play I want to kick on I want to score goals this season I want to get a move I want to get out of league two I want to uh, kick on and I remember playing in that game and just yeah like you said uh, not not being able to run like just feeling tired like and, it, and I, I, I spoke to you after the game I think I met, met you sort of the middle of the week yeah. and it's the first time because I, I had that feeling before loads of times I had it in the had it in the youth cup the nerves of trying to trying to get through each round and Feeling heavy and not, you know, lethargic. You see, you can see it in players now when you when you watch when there's big pressure games. You see players they're not moving freely or they're not. And people say their legs are gone. Yeah, they're, they're not fit. That's yeah. one I heard about Man United this year. They're not fit. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it's, pre it's pressure, isn't it? And yeah. I remember sitting there with you. We went to a pub in Luton somewhere, mm. um, and uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't know what was going on. So I think my dad had put, put us in touch. And yeah, I sat in this meeting with you, and it was, um, you know, we said, you know, I saw the game. You, Broke the box uh, amazingly well each time. You missed a really good chance. Um, but did you? How did you feel? And I just I obviously I told you how I felt. I felt heavy. I felt. And you you said you said exactly the same thing. You spotted it. You you resonated with it. You said that's how you felt during your career. It was the first time someone had said. This podcast is brought to you in association with the Turmeric Company. With unique extracting technique, eliminating dilution of these incredible active ingredients, the Turmeric Company have produced a series of powerful drinks with five grams of turmeric in every bottle. They're leading the way in enabling people to reap the full benefits of nature's wonder ingredient. Details can be found at www.thetermericcompany.com. Welcome back to the second part of this um, podcast series here in, in Richmond-upon-Thames. Beautiful summer's evening with, um, well, let's describe you, League One team of the season in one of the, in one of the, um, one of the teams voted for by managers, I believe. Team of the season, League One. Um, we've had a what seven hundred and fifty thousand pound move, give or take. Yeah, from 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 Luton Luton. to Barnsley. Yeah. Let's jump back though. Um, so that was two seasons ago. You moved from Luton to Barnsley. But it was two seasons at at Luton Town. 
And we've, we, we finished up there talking about when you first went there and how the conversations we had and, and started to identify that emotion you had. I want to, I want you to be really honest right now and talk about when you had the stomach issues as a young man at Luton, uh, at, uh, at Norwich. And I can relate to that. I remember, I remember saying to my mum, I was 17, 18, doubled up in cramp after evening games, sitting on toilet in coaches, diarrhea, sickness, stomach cramps. It was built up of fear and anxiety. I didn't know what it was. I, I thought it was because I'd run so hard, I'd left the thing, I was just empty. And sometimes it was. Yeah, I, th- I remember when I was at Chelsea, I think about 14, 14, 15, I remember them just saying, I remember just getting stomach problems with them. I think, oh, I must be eating something that's not that's not agreeing with me. Um, and I remember sort of when I was sort of 16, 17, 18, I started just to get it more and more, more and more often. It was more evening games. Um, I think I'd have the whole day to be thinking about a match and it just grow on me and grow on me and grow on me and then mixing in with the adrenaline. And I used to just get some real bad diarrhea in, in games, like my stomach just cramping up. And I've seen players come out and say they've had it and had different things. I spoke to Russell Martin at Norwich about it because he had a similar thing. Um, I tried all these diets and gluten frees and yeah. vegans and all those things and, and, and nothing worked. I just still had it. I was taking the modium to, yeah. to sort of try and yeah. block it up. And it was only when I started talking about my feelings and my uh, and what was going on in my head where now I never really get it anymore. Unless, I get, might get it the odd occasion and the odd occasion will be where I've put too much pressure on myself going into a yeah. game. So, but I understand what it is now. Whereas, before I just I just didn't have any I didn't have any idea I spent loads of money on seeing different guys nutritionists um, doctors and just never getting to the bottom of it until until the feelings was when I started start talking about feelings understanding and it's funny isn't it you know people talk about mental health and, um, yeah. I remember this is not about me but people know my journey now if they follow me on platforms but I came out of um, rehab and I was you know in, I went into addiction recovery and then all the therapy and inner child stuff and I remember hearing a, a, a profound a, a great one of the great I think in the last hundred years therapist John Bradshaw in the States and he talked about um, how illness, it, uh, anxiety and undealt with traumas can manifest as a physical disease to be diseased not at ease and I thought that was an amazing way of describing it if you're not at ease it's a disease you know and he I think he talked about you know, 30 years of therapist psychotherapist in the States and how one day he went to the to the local hospital to the cancer unit, spoke to the head of cancer the cancer specialist there, and the, and the crossover between his client base who'd been seeing him for therapy over the last 25, 30 years, and the clients who'd or, or the, the patients who'd been had reported cancers was unbelievable, so high. Now I'm not, but my point really was is that people talk about mental health and anxiety. For me, anxiety, shortness of breath, that's cramping stomach. It, 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 it's just an accumulation of thoughts and that energy just manifests, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you see a lot of see a lot of guys before games. They're nervous. You can you can tell. Like everyone, everyone gets nervous. Everyone has yeah. anxiety before a game because it's you know you're going out to perform. You, you're going into a performance environment. You've got to go and you've got to go and do well. Otherwise, you'll be dropped or you get taken off. And well, I heard Jurgen Klopp say. You know, I heard him say in an interview once that these days, where there is more money, there's more pressure. And because of the more pressure, there's this culture now, which is unfair on footballers, where it's black and white. You either, you're either a hero and everyone's saying how well you played, or you're nothing. It, it's complete failure. There's no grey area. You know, there's no you did okay, and that brings a lot of pressure to players. Yeah, I mean, every player has been there, sort of dream from since they were a kid to sort of go and play these big stadiums and uh, go and play in big matches, and, and 
it's, it's hard. It's, it's tough to have to go out and perform every week. I remember when I was at Luton the first time, I used to look at the papers, and my dad used to look at the papers, and you'd be looking for your score. You'd be oh, getting yeah. rated out of 10, so I'm looking and going, oh, I'm getting rated. Oh, I got an 8 today. Oh, buzzing. Oh, they put me in a team of the week for the week, and then... Hanging ooh, on crumbs. Any yeah, crumb you can yeah. get. To and just... then in the week after, you're, you're 5 out of 10. Your world's, your world's ended. You think, oh, my God, I've got the worst score in the team. Like, everyone's going to think, you know... And in no other job are you getting scored out of 10 uh, in the papers, in the national papers, every week. And, and you know what used to annoy me is that people would say, oh, well, you know, you've got to be mentally tough then. That's not being mentally tough looking. And that used to really annoy me because I'm so tough... <laughs> What I've been through in my life, what I've come through, when I'd be on a pitch and you know I'd have that desire in me to turn things round, tough, tough, tough. Yet just because I overthought and, and overfelt didn't mean I was weak. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hundred percent. I think, uh, yeah, you get you sort of it's natural to to sort of think like that and to look at look at these things. And I think it wasn't it wasn't until I really understood that it was it was fine to sort of. To put pressure on myself, and I wasn't the only one doing it, and I'm not the only one looking at scores. I'm not the only one uh, who's feeling this way. Uh, you, you see a lot of guys coming out at the minute: Danny Rose, Peter Crouch. Yeah. Uh, I bet if you sp- sat down with any footballer, they'd say they went through these. They went through these things. Well, we've talked obviously since we've been working now, and, and you're in, you're in such a strong place emotionally, which is reflected in your performances, of course, always. You know, the, the performance on the pitch, you know, it's just a reflection of how you are inside. The player doesn't go away. Still the same player as you, 12, running all over the top of people, high energy, box to box, breaking, running off people, this great desire, which is such a quality. You know, I heard Alex Ferguson describe, you know, desire as a great gift, real hard work as a great gift. Often people assume that everybody works that hard, but but not that hard, you know. And, and, and so, the journey you've been on to get here, but but it's not it's not been easy you sit here now at 23 years of age and we're here it's beautiful the sun you know summer's evening in richmond it's almost like you're away from the battlefield here the battle's done the war's won you're 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 at barnsley great season promotion your battle is done starts great performances goals a really a, a really great season for you and it's like time to sit now and, and it's such a polarity isn't it we sit on a beautiful summer's evening you can close your eyes and go back to any of those January evenings where you've got to find another performance. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've spoken about it obviously a lot through the season and and it's tough. Like, you have games where you don't do well, you have games you lose, you have games you you know you should be doing better in. And, yeah, I'm, I'm my own worst worst enemy in that. I you know, criticise myself, I sit there and think, what have I done? Even when I've done well, I would be thinking I should have done more, I should have done better, I'm never going to get anywhere, am I going to... Am I going to uh, achieve my goals. Am I going to play in the Premier League um, and all these things? And so obviously, it's a constant battle with your own head uh, around those things. Of you know, because I want to, because I want to get to the top. It's a, it's a tough battle in my head. Um, and that's the, that's the, that's the feelings that I've, I've had, and that's the pressure you put on yourself. And like you said, when I'm a kid and I'm running around, and I'm not thinking about those kind of things. It's about each game I go into now. I try and strip it all back, uh, take away all those feelings that. You know, of nerves and anxiety, strip them all back, or pre- or understand them uh, better, and I do now. Um, and when I can, when I can really truly strip them back and go into a game free of all those thoughts, then I'm, you know, then I achieve my my maximum potential. And you, and you look at the top players, your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, they go into games with with pure faith and belief in themselves, and that's what you see when you watch them. That aura, uh, that's that that freedom. Uh, they go into these games with none of that, with, not, with those feelings. It, they're in control of those feelings. I think. Yeah. And I- this podcast I decided to call the gift is the curse and it's really aimed 
and I want to sit and have these deep conversations with, with the people who have that gift. And the gift is, and I have it, is this intensity, this desire, this nothing is ever enough, which, you know, in therapy, you, know, you try and work through that and say, you know, we need to work through that nothing's ever enough so we get a place of tranquility. I, I, we talked, I meditate, I pray, we do gratitude lists, I do them with you and all my other clients with every day, we do gratitude lists and we try and get some sense of peace in this gift of ours, which is relentless. It doesn't, I mean, I finish now, I'm a coach. <laughs> I have to work very hard every day in my head's going, when are you gonna be the best coach in the world? When are you gonna be seen as this? Who else is out there? What's what, when are you gonna, you know, it's just, it's relentless. It doesn't go away, I often laugh with you. It doesn't change. No, nothing changes. You can retire. I'm 40. It doesn't change. I'll sit there at 70. There'll still be a voice going, what are you doing? You're yeah. 70. Yeah. You're giving up. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that like, because I've, I've met people like-minded um, to me, like, obviously, Drew, he's, he's been you know, a great, great help to me and that. He, I've got an understanding around that, that gift that I've got inside me. Like, it is the curse as well because it can be defeating at times if you're not in, in control of it, if you're not doing spiritual work or the, the feelings work that we do um all around it um it can it can it, you know you can't you can't control it all the time but um yeah i think when we've done this work and i've managed to sort of go into games like that we've, we've seen the results and and they've been they've been great and you know i've got that mindset now where i'm sitting here finished the season uh sort of had two weeks off and my voice is already going in my head i've still got a month to have to go back my head head's already going uh, you, you're not getting. Fit. You need to start getting fit now. You need to start running. You need to start pushing yourself because otherwise, come come start of the season, you're not going to be. You're not going to be at it. Uh, you've got you've got you've got a big season. The championship coming up. You've got to got to be sharp. You've got to be fit. And that voice is always with me. And I wake up with it and can understand it. But like you say, we do you know the gratitude lists and. Uh, I mean, I mean to, we, it's getting out the feelings, isn't it? It's the great feelings work. And you know, how do you feel? Oh yeah, I'm alright. Not a feeling. How do you feel? I'm scared. What are you scared of? got to play well contracts up um there's a midfielder on the bench who's going to be better than me for me it was it was a forward on the bench and, and i haven't scored for three games and whew, i played against this guy last year and he had the better of me and, 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 and i always say you know for me looking back i was never fighting an opposition it was never i was fighting myself but many times i was punching in the dark because i didn't know what i was fighting whereas what i what we do is get out on that paper what's going on inside and that's what you're punching so in the game five minutes in you're giving the ball away and that voice starts laughing <laughs> you're done today told you you were done you're never going to keep your place in the team you're aggressive with it you know i could swear on here but the, the truth is yeah you know I, I think you have to be aggressive with that inner voice and we've talked about it it's almost like fuck you shut up fuck off i'll deal with you after the game you know it really aggressive with that with that sabotaging side of you yeah it's, it's, I, I remember we we sort of the first first ever time we sort of had a real powerful feeling that this is this is big this is gonna this is gonna help me loads was the game I had Stoke City I was playing against Stoke uh, in the cup and I was on the bench and I had just played Yeovil on the Saturday and I played really badly uh, fitful of fear not you know not expressing myself at all um, and I'm and you said go go to a coffee shop sit down get a notepad get a pen and just write down exactly how you feel because. How many times do you go up to someone in the street and say, uh, "Oh, you're right, mate. How are you?" Um, and you go, "Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. How are you?" And is that those pleasantries? But you're not actually saying how you feel. You never really truly say how you feel. Um, so I've got the sheet and I'm in the coffee shop and I'm writing down exactly how I feel. I feel nervous that I'm not going to get, you know, to the top. I'm not going to ever get out of League Two. I'm not going to get out of, um, you know, I'm not going to push on. I'm not going to get out of the leagues. I'm not going to reach my potential. All these 
all these things on the on the sheet i'm just writing it all down and it's like if you feel full and you've eaten too much you want to be sick you want to throw it up and it's like i've got all these feelings inside me and it's getting too much and the only way to get them out is to write them down and when we eat too much we have that stomach ache yeah. when you have that too much it's a headache yeah exactly and the only way to get like i said the only way to the solution for this was let's write it all down let's get it all out on a paper it's like word vomit almost it's like get all that stuff down on that piece of paper and get it in front of you and then when it was out when you write it all down i'm going wow like feel better now like i'm looking at that stuff and then we going, work across it what can i control what can i control what can i control what can i control and we always laugh don't we and that's why i love pep guardiola and these top managers because they keep it so simple and it, you know i get a little long through it now but you know everybody's searching for the magic answer and they believe it lies in tactics and more science and more data and more you know, what's happening this year especially this season in pochettino and klopp and guardiola pochettino uh, you know uh, let's deal with liverpool their teams outrun you they outfight you young klopp they <laughs> genga pressing they will run all over you that's hard work to do manchester city they will run all over you pep guardiola fight 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 then they play of course they've got top players but they run and fight first Pochettino, spirit, heart, guts. These things, it breaks my heart. They're seen as old school. They're seen as old school now. It's almost ugly. People want an easier, softer way, a way that can be measured by science or a nice way. You know, and I, I think with you, I saw that gift, that great gift that, that you will, you've, you've got resources that you can go to, which are so deep. You've got a well so deep that you can go there. And you can you can dig in there and seven. I mean, the amount of times I've watched you in 75, 80 minutes in, and we talked for the game. I said, you've got to keep running through that voice, stay in the game. And that your goals will come when you when you keep running through that pain. But you've got to you've got to be able to go that deep. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's it's such a gift. Mm -hmm. oh, it's and it's the it's the simplicity of knowing that that is what I've got. That's my gift. My, I'm going to run. I'm going to outrun you. I'm going to outwork you. Um, and as I said, you see the top teams, the top players. They do it. Um, you know, Jamie Vardy is a great example of someone who just doesn't stop running. Um, there's plenty of them. Lampard, all his goals came from up and down, running up and down, where no one else wanted to come with you. Um, it's a shame because everyone sees the, the top. Everyone sees that dipper he used to hit from the edge of the box. And he runs onto it, bump, yeah. 20 yards, it dips him, one bounce past the keeper. And they fixate with that. For sure. I used to see Frank Lampard when I was 13, 14 at Chelsea. And he was, day after game, he was running. He was running around the, uh, he was running around the, whole, the whole of the training ground. He, He's a fit guy, so he, he, uh, I read his book, he just used to go out and run and he, he, knew, he knew that he needed to be able to outrun people. And, you know, I've taken that, taken that into my own game and, I, you know, I talk, talk about it with, with you, Drew, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, if I can go out there and outrun people and have one focus that I'm going to outrun it, all my other stuff, my technical ability, all that all, that'll all shine through. But first of all, I've got to look after, can I outrun my opponent? Most, most of the time I know I can. I'm um, looking at him going, no, I'm going I'm to outrun you today. Um, and yeah, I said goals come and team of the years come and uh, promotions come mm. after a season of just every game going into it thinking I'm, I'm going to outrun these guys. And the amount of clips I sent to you and sent to all that, you know, the, the order boys, you know, and what it's great, you know, it's, it's a, the media, Paul Skull sitting in the B2 Sports studio saying, yeah, fight desire, then Rio Ferdinand, fight desire, Ronaldo, fight desire, there's Messi punching someone and fight desire, you know. Pep Guardiola, Klopp. I send you guys clips all the time. It's almost like the media don't want to jump on that bit. It blows me away. It's like it's screaming for the media to go look, young players. Look what they're all saying, and I champion that. You know, uh, Steven Gerrard. You know, talking about tasting blood on your lungs. I remember talking about that in a talk. Yeah. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. 
Do you mean blood on your lungs? Yeah, that these, feeling yeah, when these, you burn it. These top guys, they know. So I love watching. <laughs> yeah. I love watching Monday Night Football and mm. all those Gary Neville. They have these debates, and Graham Souness is a great one. Amazing. He'll talk about first of all, it's about fighting, running, and that's that's the game of football. Champions uh, League winner yeah. three times, yeah. highly decorated. Looking at Pep Guardiola, he's saying if my players don't run, they sit with me on the bench, um, and that, that's the facts. And mm. and these are top these are top players, technically are unbelievable players. And if they're the doing, FA Cup final, Man yeah. City ran all over Watford a few days yeah, back. Exactly, and yeah, so people people get lost in that idea. I think there was a time at Chelsea where I got lost in that idea. Uh, there's been times through my career I've got I've lost I've you know I've lost that lost lost my way a bit with that. Um, but it's been about getting back to that, and you know, with with the help of with Drew and the work we do, it's getting back to that that little child, 15, uh, at sort of sort of five, six, six year old uh, child who who knew who knew that all I had to do was run and just you know playing with freedom and without fear, and that's that's the work, and it's just stripping back all those feelings and uh, all the all the voices in the head and just sort of staying staying in control as you know. I, I... My big thing, I, I think that the links between high-performing individuals, those with the gift of vision and this drive, and mental health are so linked, so linked. And I know everyone's saying there's this big thing, and the, the, the thing the other night with Prince William and the royal team talk. I think it was amazing. I think you know to get Crouch and Janus and, and Henri, Gareth Southgate, you know His Royal Highness in the room and, and talking about this stuff. But what I found, I was smiling, and there was a few texts going between lads and it, Prince William, obviously. The trauma of losing a mother as a young child you wouldn't wish it on anybody and I, it's certainly a pain i could never relate to especially so publicly but beyond that i was waiting for the players to dig in a little bit danny rose started talking about it when he was a club came in for him the other summer and he was seen as being that they, they said to his agent we're worried are you crazy we need to see if you're crazy before because he'd reported mental health issues what he'd actually reported is sometimes it got too much long-term injury sometimes i beat myself up and it's still seen i don't know i, I you know players all day long is it safe to go and sit with the manager and say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm struggling. I, 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 want it, I, I wanted it too bad Saturday. I wanted it too bad. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard like that. It's hard. It's, it's, I'm, you're with, I'm with these guys every day in my team and you know, we're all going through the same stuff. We've all got the same pressures. We all want to make money for our families. We all want to you know, reach our potential. We all want to sort of push on and, and do well. And yeah, you go into games with this pressure. And you know, like last season, we were... There's a massive pressure on Barnsley to get promoted. It was we're a big club, got good players and good money for the level. We need to get promoted. We need to get back to the championship. And uh, yeah, these you know we're talking about our feelings and and it's hard to sort of go into games and and, and have that have that dealt with. It's hard for managers, I guess, as as one guy with with uh, with 20 players. But you see sort of Pep Guardiola the way he sort of goes about and uh, Jurgen Klopp. It's, it's it's great and you sort of see that and you think that's you know that's what Danny Rose is in essence is what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, this, this this podcast is certainly not about um, it's about the individual, and I want to stay stay there. The gift is the curse, and, and hopefully, anyone listening to this, they can identify with that relentlessness, and 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 also, you know, and I keep championing. It's I can relate to it's just being seen as it's being seen as like well, everyone works hard, everyone wants it that much, and and they don't, and and, and owning that part of you, owning that relentlessness, and and. Uh, you know, that great, that great gift. Um, so you've played what over a couple of hundred league games, I would have thought by now, hundred something league games by now. Yeah, I think it's just just close to two hundred. Close to two hundred games. Twenty three, twenty. I broke my leg and missed sort of six, seven months. Um, but yeah, I was at Luton, 
scored you know we found we found we found the form and you know dealt with my feelings and I was I think I was on 11 goals before Christmas as a midfielder it was obviously pretty pretty good going um, Barnsley were going to bar my clubs in for me Leeds you know had some big clubs in for me in the January broke my leg on January the 2nd uh, six seven month injury was told it was you know it was never going to be the same again and uh, it was tough to take um, but you know you do rehab you get you get yourself back fit you know I feel fine now I feel great um, but you know Barnsley then came in for me in the in the summer because they obviously saw it was a good chance to get me because you know I don't think anyone else was probably going to sign me with a broken leg um, so they probably got themselves a bit of a bargain compared to what I would have cost you know if I, if I was fit um, yeah so I went there and since then really until this season I've sort of been trying to find my way back to that mindset I had before um, before the injury where I was flying because um, it's been tough you, you miss miss a lot of games you lose the you lose the essence of like how hard it is every day to go in and train hard and, and commit yourself every day because you're sort of you're almost on holiday when, you, when you're injured you're not really you're not really you're not having to deal with that pressure every day um, and that's sort of been I had a tough season last year a lot of pain not not playing much on the bench a lot um, was, was at Barnsley not playing played sort of 10 games in the champ and then went on loads of Scunthorpe there, and same again. I wasn't, I didn't really play. I sort of was coming on every week. Um, you lost yourself, though. I think yeah. because of the broken leg. I remember that period of time. You had to work very hard. Um, you, you, you just lost the essence of who you were. And you know, I see it in golf. I was sitting with a young golfer this morning discussing where he got lost, and he's lost himself. He's had a few coaches now trying to change his swing. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. But if I took him back, he's 28. Took him back to 18. His best period, he said, 18, 19. He said, no, I, I used to believe I was the best player on the on the course. You can't touch me. But then he was shamed for that voice. So, so getting him back there, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a, uh, it's a journey to get back there. I think certainly, yeah, certainly owning that, that self-respect's a big thing, isn't it? I think, you know, yeah. Raheem Sterling the other day saying, what advice would he give a 15-year-old self? Number one, don't listen to anybody. Number two, don't don't listen to anybody. Number three, don't listen. People would say, that's arrogant. You should listen to people if they've got something to say. I think what he's saying is he knew what to do. He did it effortlessly at 15, 16. He used to dribble around people and score. And then all of a sudden, well, he stopped, stopped doing it. Yeah, I think def I think I think for me it was it was the fact that I got injured. I missed a big chunk of chunk of uh, football. Like you said, I wasn't having to live with that pressure or I wasn't, you know, having to go in every day and train hard and you come back. I was at Barnsley. I was in the championship. There's a few things in my head. It was like, you know, oh, what's, what's the championship going to be like? It's it's a big league. It's tough. We, you know, I'm coming in on bit, you know one of the uh, highest transfer fees at Barnsley. It's a lot of pressure there, and I'd like few, three or four different things having to deal with sort of going into that. Uh, See, so, yeah, I started off really well. I scored against Middlesbrough in my first first game, and um, yeah, I was doing well at the time. But that sort of just dropped off a bit and. Didn't really. Uh... Didn't own that part of you, which you know the last twelve months has been. It's been amazing watching you know grip games and and, and not not apologise for who you are anymore. Yeah. You know, you, you incredible six foot two box to box midfielder who who wants to run and fight and scrap and then who's got great technique. You came through Fulham and Chelsea and Norwich, three absolute footballing sides. As if you haven't got technical ability, you can't have a schooling for ten years at those clubs and not be technically sound. Yeah. I think for sure the the, the pain of, of last season, I would call it pain because it's pain, it's my life, it's mm. my football career and, it, and I saw it slipping away from me a bit because I've, I've got this big move, I'm expected to go and go and do really well and kick on again but I didn't really play, I went to Scunthorpe, didn't really play, I sort of, it was it was tough, It was I had to look at myself in the mirror and go like, you know, what what's going wrong here, what am I not doing, I've got to, I've got to own this because there's two managers now that have said, well it's three managers now that have said, no you're not, you're not going to play in our team. 
um, and it's tough to take. Um, but through that pain, you sort of you grow and you get your edge and you get yourself back. But you know, and that's what I saw in you. You know, people talk about a gift. Your gift, the greatest gift I saw. It's the the greatest gift anyone can have. There is this desire to to, to succeed so big that you'll keep coming back to the mirror. You'll keep coming. And the only people I work with are those people. You know, business is the same. Look after two business leaders. They just they will let me dig and dig and dig and probe. You know, they just they have this calling that's so big. Yeah, that's I mean that's the, so much respect for that. That's the work we do. It's it's like looking in the mirror, and it's the truth every time. It's bringing me back to the truth because the truth hurts. Like you hear that a lot. The truth hurts. It does. But people don't want to look in the mirror and go, "What's my part in this? Why, why am I not playing? Like, there's got to be a reason for me not playing. Am I going to blame the manager? Am I going to blame yeah. this, the system, the place, the all these things?" And and when I actually gripped it and went, "No, what what am I not doing? Am I training as hard as I can be? Am I?" Uh, well, you were doing that. I think the greatest thing, and this is the great missing thing, I think. Not, not certainly not for the last 12 months, crikey. But before that, I think many, many, many footballers worldwide are, are guilty is a strong word, but suffer with it. You didn't have the courage to be yourself. You didn't go, this is me, and I'm going to go with this with all I've got, and we'll see where the chips fall. The courage to go, this is me. I'm not going to try and fit in or downsize myself or fit into the Chelsea way or this is me. You know, and I think that's, that, that's the greatest testament I can give to you is that, that there's, you don't apologise for that anymore. No, I think, I think I needed that spell to go and, you know, not do so well and really, really look at yourself, really strip, like, strip it all back again. And then I said this season, I knew it was a big season for me and you, and you need to come and hit the ground running and do well. And you, like, that mindset I've got now is just like, like you said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change and for anyone I'm going to, not going to make, you know, I'm not going to. But even you've had opposition midfielders say to you, haven't you, this year, oh, calm down, mate. Stop yeah. being a bit busy. Calm down, mate. Yeah, and I found it. In, I was on loan at Scunthorpe last season. You know, went in there in January, and I found it because I was I was asking to play in reserve games, and I'm playing. So I want a picture of this. I've just got to move to the championship. Uh, Barnsley, big money. Loan having, to, having scored a lot of goals at Luton Town yeah. in their first team, which is a big club. Yeah, gone loan in January. You know, told you know you're going to come here and play. But Scunthorpe were chasing. Uh, I think they were second or third at the time in the League One. I was going there to sort of go and play, get myself fit again, get going. Um, and I wasn't playing, so I'm saying oh, I want to go and play in the reserve games and get keep my fitness. So I'm playing in like going to Sunderland away and playing there like under 18s with Scunthorpe, and I'm out there on a minibus and thinking like you question yourself, going what what what's going on? What's happened here? Like where's it all going? Because you've got the money and you've got the car then. Yeah, got, salary's yeah, good. And... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. And, and I'm on the pitch, and and obviously the work we did was about go out there and just just go 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 out there and do what you what you do when you're a kid going out run people go and fight go and battle and I was doing that and I found it in those games I found that uh, I found myself again because it was you know I'm playing against these guys and they're going calm down what are you doing you're so busy what what are you doing like just relax it's only a reserve game and I'm going well, nice got, got guys who hadn't hadn't got your career at that stage yeah and this is this is my life like yeah, this is my life every time I step on that pitch and 